This is Tasting Room Radio. Hello. You know what's happening? Bottling is happening. All of the wineries around me on Vancouver Island and in the Okanagan for certain are bottling their wines. There is nothing romantic about wine bottling. This is an interesting show. It's not about wine, although wine gets mentioned quite a bit. It's about distilleries, two of them, Ampersand, in and around Duncan. But we're not talking about Ampersand per se. Our guest is Jessica Schatt, who is one of the co-founders of very successful Ampersand Distilling. She has now released a new book, The Five Bottle Bar, A Simple Guide to Stylish Cocktails. And it's really good. It's great. It's a great read. And we'll, we'll describe what those five bottles are and, and why you don't need a room full of booze. You just need these five bottles and some common sense. She's good on the common sense. Jessica Schacht will be our guest segments three and four of Tasting Room Radio. But we start with the return of a, of a friend of the show and all of us who enjoy a sip of single malt scotch. Eau Claire Distillery in Turner Valley, south of Calgary, one of the most gorgeous spots on the face of the planet, have dedicated themselves to making great whiskeys and spirits. But the, but the heart and soul of that distillery is Eau Claire's single malt whiskey. And they have uh, just released batch 006. It indicates that they've been in that business for a bit. And also it indicates that it has been aged six years, this whiskey. Oh, it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And we're going to talk about it. I will give you a heads up that Caitlin Quinn, the master distiller, is from a town just outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. And she has a brogue that you really want to lean into. Um, halfway through the video Zoom version of this interview, I put on my headphones just to make sure I understood what she was saying to me. I, and I would never want it any other way. See, she does say an interesting thing. She says that going through this whole process, the growing of the malted bar, the barley and the malting and the, and the cellaring, it happens faster in Alberta because of the, the seasons. Very cold in the winter, very hot in the summer. It just speeds the process up and you lose nothing in the, pro- I mean, you still, you still get an amazing whiskey. It's just slightly faster than say in Edinburgh. So those are our two guests, Jessica Schacht, Caitlin Quinn. This is Tasting Room Radio. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. It's that time of year where the days are getting longer, they're warming up. We can start to think about the reopening. The Tasting Room and Terrace at Unsworth are open Wednesday to Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday and Tuesday from noon to 4. And their fabulous restaurant has officially reopened for 2023. All the details at unsworthvineyards.com. I'm Terry David Mulligan, <laughs> and this is Tasty Room Radio. This is an interesting show in that there are two guests, and we've put them together like pairings. Caitlin Quinn is my guest here, starting the show. She Hi. is the master distiller at Eau Claire Distillery, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, no, Sunset Boulevard in Turner Valley, Alberta. Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> have you met Jessica Schacht? I have not. She's a co-founder of Ampersand Distilling here in Vancouver Island, and she... Yeah. Uh, she just put out a book called The Five Bottle Bar. Perfect. A simple guide to stylish cocktails. She said, you don't need all that. You don't need a wall of bottles. You need five bottles. And uh, and so she is going to be the second guest. And um, and of the five bottles, the two, the, there's, there's, there's two spirits. 
there's gin, and there's whiskey. And, of course, you would argue that maybe there should be room for scotch, but um, uh, we're talking about mixology, of course. And, and yep. for me, my limitations in terms of scotch, because I'm not a distillery guy or haven't been, I'm learning as fast as I can, is that try not to mess with it. Try to mm -hmm. enjoy what the maker has created. And we'll, we'll go down that path if it's okay with you. Yep. Um, uh, what did you do for um, Robbie Burns Day? Anything? I haven't done anything yet. We're doing a Robbie Burns night at the distillery tomorrow night, uh, Friday, and then I'm doing a whiskey tasting on Saturday. I've talked to um, um, singers and songwriters in bands yep. uh, from Ireland or of Irish descent, and what do you do on St. Patrick's Day? And they say, nothing. I'm doing nothing. I want nothing to do with it. It's a <laughs> stupid event. And so uh, what is the uh, – uh, how, how is it celebrated in, back home in Scotland? In Edinburgh, I mean, it's usually it's usually just a casual night. You drink some whiskey, eat some haggis. Like it's not really a big thing as much as it is here. People don't go out in, in wearing tartan. No, no, not typically. That's just every day for us. Okay, well, you've seen what ha what has happened to St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it's bloody yes. awful. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to be doing any of that. Just enjoy your friends, especially if they're yeah, exactly. You are the master distiller. Uh, there's another name on that on the bottle, of course, and it's Larry Kerwin. Tell us about Larry again. Yes. Remind us. So Larry is what we now call our founding distiller. So he was the original master distiller for Eau Claire. Caitlin, I may have asked you this before because we've done, I think, five interviews now. We've become real pals and may never meet each other. Um, <laughs> in your upbringing, was your f family involved in the distillery business? Why? How did you end up here? What drove it? No, like, not really. Our, um, like, my family, as I grew up, we owned a liquor store. So I was always around alcohol. Like, I knew of all the different brands and stuff like that. But I started out doing my undergrad in chemistry. Yeah. And then um, did my master's in brewing and distilling, kind of leading on from that, just wanting to do something practical with my chemistry degree so that I could actually consume what I produced. What you thought it would be like and what it is like, what, different? Um, I thought there would be less computer stuff and less of this kind of stuff <laughs> interviews and talking about it and more um, hard labor. <laughs> Did you know it would take you away from Edinburgh and in, in, in Scotland? I never imagined, no. Like when you get into the whiskey industry uh, when you're in Scotland to start with, you kind of just assume that's where you'll end up. Um, so no, I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd land in Turner Valley making whiskey. You know... If you could pick any valley to make anything in, yeah, Turner Valley would be one of the spots in the entire world that you'd say, "I can." Yeah. This is beautiful, because uh, yeah. and does it take your breath away at times? It does. The drive out to work is considerably nicer than any other drive I've ever had. <laughs> All right, uh, this is the bottle. Yep. That we're dealing with right here. This is Ot, Ot Six. Yep. And there's lots of notations on the bottle of this uh, Eau Claire single malt mm -hmm. whiskey. And, and I'll ask you about them. But, sure. Um, uh, does, it, does the odd odd six imply that this is its sixth year or it was six years in, in the cellaring? No, so the six, 006 is just their sixth batch. So this is the sixth year that we yeah. brought out a batch release. 
as it so happens, it is also a six-year-old whiskey. So all that means is the youngest whiskey in the bottle is at least six years old. It's six, and it's the first six years old. Six-year-old. Right? Yes, okay. it's our first six-year-old batch release. We've done one single cast release previously that was six years, but with us being eight years old as a company now, we now have more older stock yes. that we can release, yes. so we can kind of bump up the age statements now. The library, as it were. Exactly. Um, I asked this question quite a bit of winemakers, a lot of winemakers, actually. What would happen to this? I asked them about a white wine, for example. What would happen mm -hmm. to this Chardonnay if you cellared it for two, three, four years? And they mm -hmm. always go, oh, oh, the, it would be amazing what it would do. And it might get a little cloudy, but, you know, it would be well worth it. You will, it's, the reward is to just hang in there, forget it's there, and come back four years later. Um, mm -hmm. You, of course, tasted as you went along, but yep. what happened to that whiskey in in, in the in the barrels over the six years? So up until now, we've kind of released three-year-old um, whiskeys. Yeah. So that's the minimum age to call it a whiskey in Canada. So in comparison, like the three is six years old. I find that it's mellowed out a bit. All the flavors are more cohesive and it's just kind of more complex. So there's more layers to the tasting experience. So now when you taste it, you get like an upfront flavor. If you add a little bit of water, it opens it up a bit and you get layers of kind of flavors now. So we're kind of increasing complexity with years. Hmm. Uh, and do you have to be, uh, you have to, as the, as the distiller, you have to set uh, a, a mark that you're headed for. Like, in other words, mm -hmm. this is what I want this to become or I, yeah. this is where we want to shape this. We can we can sh shape it to a certain extent to hit that sweet pocket right there. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell when is when it's approaching? Do you uh, when, when it reaches that? I'm talking about you know literally uh, science here. Um, uh, when do you know it's time to release? What tells you? What are the things? I think. What we do when we're blending whiskey is we proof everything down about 20% ABV. Yeah. It's for a couple of reasons. Um, it's so that my palate doesn't get too tired to try and 60% whiskey all day. And then also it takes out all the alcohol burn. So you're only getting the flavor profile. So at that point, if at 20%, it's still shining through, like really good flavor profile, no harshness, then we know that it's getting close to release time. And then, do you get excited? Yes, yeah, very excited, especially when we try like single casks that are tasting really good. Okay, this is the uh, first of two parts. I didn't tell you this. This is a two-parter because this is a story that you want to tell. Single malt whiskey from Eau Claire, Turner Valley, gorgeous Turner Valley. And speaking of gorgeous, it's Caitlin Quinn in the toque. Um, and by the way, you can see this interview. You can see what Caitlin looks like. Yeah, finally. She's come out of the <laughs> cellar. Uh, and you can find us on the Terry David Mulligan YouTube channel as well. But this is Tasting Room Radio. The second half of this uh, uh, session of Tasting Room will involve, he said, reaching for the book, A Five Bottle <laughs> Bar by Jennifer Schacht from Ampersand. And she will school us about um, you don't why you don't need a wall of bottles to mix. You need five great ingredients. And she's going to tell you how to do it. And then, and then give you all sorts of recipes as well. Uh, this is the Spirits Distilling uh, Edition of Tasting Room Radio. I'll be right back. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Unsworth Vineyards in the Cowichan Valley. It's that time of year where 
The days are getting longer. They're warming up. We can start to think about the reopening. The tasting room and terrace at Unsworth are open Wednesday to Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday and Tuesday from noon to 4. And their fabulous restaurant has officially reopened for 2023. All the details at unsworthvineyards.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mooncursor Wines in Asoyos. They have three Valentine's Day wine sets to share. Each includes one or two wines that have either been otherwise long sold out or available to wine club members only. And a heads up, very limited quantities. Check out the details at mooncursor.com. She's Caitlin Quinn. She's the master distiller at Eau Claire Distillery, Turner Valley, Alberta. And they have just released, and I have in my hand, the single malt whiskey, double lot six, a bottle number, 1681. How many bottles total, Caitlin? We did about 3,000. Thank you. For, thank you for 1681. There you go. Um, has anything changed at the distillery in terms of uh, equipment, uh, uh, science keeping up? I mean, we're, we're surrounded by data and things now. Are computers telling you things you, that you would never have known? Um, honestly, our actual production process hasn't changed much. Like our go. equipment has been yeah. relatively static. Um, and other than like, we have like kind of data entry programs now so that we can look back on stuff, but it's not actually dictating how we do things. It's still very much a touch feel of the still and a taste process. That's kind of nice to know it is. It really is, yeah. right? It's Yeah, it's, we still are very hands-on. It's gut instinct. You yeah. know, your body, your your nose, your your palate, just your heart yeah. tells you when, yeah, okay. Um, let's talk about this bottle for a second, rather than just a explain why half of it's consumed um <laughs> uh it's six years old it's yeah. okay first thing first uh, these are notes uh, on the label itself friends you can always you can trust me if you're going to if you're going to sip this whiskey you're going to read the label because you're going to have all the time in the world um malted barley uh i know that the uh whiskey world comes looking for malted barley you're surrounded by it that's a bonus yes Yes, uh, yeah, very much so. Like we can get all of the barley within probably about 150 kilometers of the distillery. Still har- harvested by uh, horse drawn. Yeah, we do have a portion of our barley that is uh, horse farmed. Okay, three different uh, barrelings. Uh, tell me about your barrel. What, uh, what what kind of oak are you talking about? So we use for our main barrel program. Um, essentially, what we do is we create a pyramid um, of flavors. So. The bottom tier of that pyramid is our ex-bourbon casks. So yep. previously held bourbon. Um, in the bourbon industry, you can only use a cask once. So then they typically sell to either the Scottish whiskey industry or the Canadian whiskey industry, typically. Um, and then we fill it. We call them first fill because it's our first fill of them, but they are used casks. Sure. Then we have our um, second tier of the pyramid, which is our new European oak. So these are what we call virgin casks. Slo- Slovakian? Uh, no, Hungarian. Okay. Yeah, so we use Hungarian oak casks, and we do have some French oak as well. So that is the kind of middle section. They've never had any um, liquid in them, so we get a lot of our color from those casks. So the bourbon barrels would impart some color and some uh, uh, yes. notes. Do, yes. Do you want those, or do you have to expunge them along the way? Oh, no, 100% you want them. Okay. Um, you get, like, a lot of our whiskeys have, like, a green apple kind of undertone to them yeah, that's yeah. from our um, bourbon casks yeah. you get a bit of sweetness from them as well um because of the residual like 
bourbon that's in the cask. So the things you want, you'll see these, these notes, by the way, on the label at uh, Eau Claire um, for the Audot 6. Uh, the palate, um, um, butterscotch, the word scotch mm-hmm. is important there. Uh, sp- spice, specifically cloves, but you you there are notes of, of uh, pepper, white pepper, mm-hmm. not black. Yeah. Uh, and on the nose, caramel, I expect that. Berries, yes, I expect that. It's the Granny Smith. It's yeah. the, the apple notes are just so cool and yeah and it's like it's like specifically that granny smith green apple like the almost tartness brightness freshness that you get from those types of apples yeah crisp yes exactly the finish is saline and then what i thought you were saying sweet moorish and then i realized it was a little comma in there (laughs) sweet moorish sweet i understand saline i understand moorish tell me about the moorish moorish to me is you're taking a sip and you want another sip straight after. Like it's creating this like want on your palate for more. I thought you were talking about the land. No. More. Yes, I'm a more. Okay. <laughs> no, like more as a new one. Moorish. Yes. 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 Okay, I understand. The long finish is uh, is acknowledged. You want a long finish. You really do. Yeah. And there's some spice in there as well. Yes. Yeah. Caitlin Quinn at Eau Claire Distillery, Turner Valley. It's all in all a six-year whiskey that's going to be recognized for its distinction. What is uh, the distinction that the Turner Valley and the method and your process brings to this whiskey? So what we like to say, like we were the first um, craft distillery in Alberta. So there wasn't a lot of information on maturation, like aging processes in this climate before we started so what we've found is over the years we're losing probably about 11 percent to the angel share yeah in comparison it's about three percent in scotland where there's higher humidity that's a lot of angels yes yeah the angels are thirsty here (laughs) so have you been able to knock that down a bit no, so what we've decided is we're going to lean into it like that is our climate, that's our geography, and we want it to taste like an Alberta whiskey, so you need to let the climate thus, do what it's going to do. Thus you say, and you make the note, that this whiskey, and whiskey in general, ages more rapidly uh, in Alberta. Yeah. That, is that the heat and the cold? Yeah, it's partially, yeah, the heat and the cold, the lack of humidity, so we're losing 11% per year but we're losing more water than alcohol because of how dry it is. So we're gaining ABV as the years go on. It's definitely drier than Scotland, for example. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Totally. Like a crackly dry. That's just that, you know, you're in the middle of it. What's it? Exactly. Yeah. No, you feel, you feel the cold, you feel the dryness Um, way harsher here than in Scotland. In Scotland, like the cold is different. It hits different because it's wet. Yeah. But here like minus 20 is like, to walk about on. I saw a price point of 109. Is that at at the uh, tasting room? Yes. Okay. Yeah. In that ballpark right there. Yes. Yeah. Caitlin Quinn at Eau Claire Distillery, Turner Valley. Thank you. Now, Jessica Schacht makes points in her book about uh, mixology and just, okay, if you're going to do this, here's my recommendation. She's saying, for those of you who put two ice cubes in a, a mixed drink, you're not doing it any favors. If you're going to put ice in a drink, 
cram it with ice and make the liquid find its space in it. Make it cold and use it so that you're not constantly drinking um, um, water in your drinks. Mm -hmm. If we add any ice to this scotch whiskey, what's your recommendation? Don't? Well, no, no, like if that's how you enjoy it, um, then I would 100% do it. Like I've never wanted to tell people how to enjoy products like you're purchasing a hundred and nine dollar bottle of whiskey drink it as you please <laughs> my recommendation before you put the ice cube in is just a couple of drops of room temperature water because what happens when you mix water and whiskey is there's like a exothermic reaction so it creates heat which makes some of the flavor profile open up so you'll smell more things you'll taste more things because of that reaction and when you put the ice cube in you're getting the same thing but it's also cooling it down at the same time so you're not getting the benefit of that dilution and the heat but if you had just a couple of drops of water it doesn't get any colder no exactly and the colder things are the less you taste okay yeah, that's so you true. actually want it to be slightly warmer. Ah, uh, yes. We have the we have the same line of thinking with the winemakers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Which is the first thing Meg does upstairs with her rosé. Boom. She went to Paris. <laughs> she went to Paris, and she asked for a bottle of rosé, and it came uh, with a a bucket of a, a pitcher of ice to the brim. They poured mm -hmm. the bottle in and said, "There you go," and took the bottle off, and then so you. If you if you don't want that rosé to dilute itself in in, in a Paris summer, you have to drink it as quickly as possible. Uh, maybe yeah. that, maybe that's their thinking. I don't know. <laughs> now this is a beautiful beautiful bottle. It's just out now. Yes. Okay. Yep, that is. What else is coming this year that you want to tease us with? So we just released um, actually yesterday our first cask release of the year. So nice. it's a single cask port finish whiskey, cask one forty eight. We did that via lottery, but we will be bringing out a number of cask releases this year. So it's going to be a very whiskey heavy year for Eau Claire. It's out now. Yes. Anything else this summer? Um, we'll be adding to our craft cocktail lineup. So we'll have another um, canned cocktail coming out um, and then all of the kind of favorites coming back as well. How, how successful was that program? It's doing really well, actually. Like, it's obviously heavy in the summer, um, in the summer months, but yeah, it's really popular. Okay. Caitlin Quinn is my guest here. She Hi. is the master distiller at Eau Claire Distillery in Turner Valley, Alberta. What have we learned? How long have you actually been there? Um, I'm in my eighth year now, okay. just over seven. What have we learned? Here's the big overview about the growing, the creating, the blending, the making of, the distilling of. Uh, malted barley and Alberta products in bottle over those eight years. What's been? I mean, it's. I know it's a big question, but for you, what what have you learned? What what do we know now about this this place and its and its whiskey? I think the main thing I've learned is how passionate people are about their local products here. I think more so than any other country I've ever been to, people are very proud of local products and are willing to fiercely support them. Wonderful. Um, but I mean, how about in the bottle? How much of it, how much has it changed? How much better are these whiskeys? I think when you think, when I first came, um, I came straight out of university. So yeah. my first ever whiskey I blended was our batch one. Yeah. So now we're up to batch six. I've probably blended in excess of 10 whiskeys for the company now. So 
it's funny when you do like a full lineup now, like from one straight through to six with like the cask releases and everything in there, you can kind of see my evolution as a whiskey blender as well. So you can see the complexity gaining, my confidence gaining and all the different aspects. So it's actually really fun to see it. And I think it's just more like a confidence thing than anything. As you have been doing this for longer, you have more confidence in your palate. Okay. Caitlin Quinn at Eau Claire Distillery, Turner Valley. When you're alone in the uh, cellar, when you're working and you, you can't bother anybody, what music are you listening to? Oh, that's a big question. It depends on the day. It depends on the weather outside. Um, usually it's some sort of 90s mix. 90s? What? Um, yeah. Um, uh, hmm, who was I just reading about? Uh, well, Springsteen, of course, was having, having a field day. And uh, mm-hmm. like, like rock and roll, uh, European? Yeah. What? Yep. Yeah, I'd say like some like mixture of rock, pop, a bit of punk. A bit of punk. Like who punk? Yeah. Like your usual, like your some 41, 90s kind of stuff. Okay. You don't ask a lot. Of, okay, fine. Good. Um, have you seen any hockey games? Yeah, I've been to a couple. Well, not as many as you would think, but we are now the sponsor of the Calgary Flames. So I'll be going to more. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah, I actually love it. Okay. And um, w- when you're away uh, for the weekends, for example, or do you work th- through the weekends as well? Not usually unless we have trade shows. Okay. Um, do you uh, drink uh, wine, beer, anything? So I will drink. If I want to switch off, I drink wine. Because if I drink a beer, I'm analyzing it. If I'm drinking a spirit, I'm analyzing it. If I can drink, when I'm drinking wine, I don't analyze it at all. Red or white? Yeah, uh, white usually. Um, Sab Blancs, Chardonnay, what? Riesling. Usually a Sauv Blanc. Sab Blanc from yeah. uh, New Zealand. Aha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did. They they did tune in their their white wines, and the, yeah, yeah, we know them for that. For that, that that's exactly. It, yeah. That's the greatest branding I've ever seen. That, that mm-hmm. that's exactly. We go to New Zealand for that taste right there. The yeah. same thing applies to Turner Valley. People over, you know, we don't know over the next eight years what will happen, but but as you keep winning awards, what was that last one in New York? Single Malt Distillery of the Year. Year at the New York uh, International Spirits Competition 2022. Yeah. Were you there? I wasn't. No, I wish I was. I'd love to go to New York. Have you been? Maybe to, next oh, time. Oh, New York. Get to New York. Yeah. I'll tell marketing. Perfect. Tell marketing. They'll send me. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you for this. I'll see you down the road with the next release. I, I Perfect. Love, I love talking to you. I'd, lo- I'd love to walk through the front door and see you. Yeah, please come and see us in Turner Valley sometime. Thank you, Caitlin. Thanks. Uh, to remind people the uh, website? Um, EauClairDistillery.ca. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Mooncursor Wines in Asoyos. They have three Valentine's Day wine sets to share. Each includes one or two wines that have either been otherwise long sold out or available to wine club members only. And a heads up, very limited quantities. Check out the details at mooncursor.com. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Naramata Bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales... On the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah, and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots. And my favorite, the 2019 Founders Block, Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season. 
and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. My name is Terry David Mulligan. This is Tasting Room Radio. We welcome back to Jessica Schacht, who uh, was the guest. I think it was a Tasting Room radio show, but it became one of our podcasts, one of our first winery podcasts. Uh, You are a mixologist. uh, I'm reminding you of who you are. Co-founder of Ampersand Distilling in the Cowichan Valley. And you have released this book that's just... I get lots of books, but this book really made an impression on me. It's the Five Bottle Bar. And basically, you're saying it's a, a simple drink still can be a stylish drink. You don't have to lose anything because you're making the drinks and it's not a mixologist putting on a show. Um, how long have you dreamed about doing this book? Oh, uh, the book, I, this has been a, a work in progress for quite some time. It started um, sort of just as a little list. And I, you know, kept thinking, um, oh, you know, if you have these bottles, you can make like this, this cocktail, this cocktail, this cocktail. And I had friends who was like, I bet you could write a book about that. And, uh, and, and then I did. So yeah, it turns out, you know, it's, it's been a, about probably four years I've been, you know, from the idea to the actual book release. How many chapters were uh, written while the kids slept? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, I actually started writing it um, when my uh, oldest one had was just uh, probably about five months old, so mm-hmm. yeah, that that it was it was a lot of during nap time shaking cocktails on the porch so as not to wake up the children for photo shoots when it finally came to <laughs> doing the photography for the book and stuff. Yeah. Before we get to the book itself, because I'm dying to talk about it, how are things at Ampersand? Uh, you know, yeah, we're we're keeping on, keeping on. Things are all right. Um, it's uh, it's been you know the going through last year was sort of a, a tough year for us um, we lost my my late father Stephen shocked uh, he passed away last April and uh, so yeah a year of sort of finding our way through uh, things without him and um, and then there was that uh, BCLDB strike which kept us very busy uh, in and at the end of summer um, early early fall there and uh, and throughout it all um, we yeah have have a little one. Have the book came out, uh, and uh, and and welcome and welcomed another little one to our to our family. So yeah, last year was a big year at the distillery, and uh, and we're just in that nice sleepy chapter of winter right now. I'm sorry about the loss of your father. Um, Thank you. And, and and basically, it's his room you're working in. Was he the engineer, the technician behind the building of the of the distillery? Yeah, precisely. We're it's a you know family business, hundred yep. percent. So yep. um, Stephen and Jeremy designed and built the stills, uh, put their engineering know-how together, um, and uh, and Ramona and I, you know, worked on sort of the business plan side of things, and it all came together, and um, <laughs> and uh, you know became yeah ampersand, you know, about bringing things together. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, I guess almost. Uh, I want to say we're it's like eight eight or nine years we've been been at it now and uh, and yeah continuing to, to bring it all together we're still on the farm okay um, yeah organic vegetables grown alongside nice nice you know that um, the uh, I have a friend uh, Corey Wood who's uh, just uh, about to jump into the baby steps into the distilling business he's been asked to be a partner and is there mm-hmm. uh, is there anything because as you see, as you know, you see distilleries popping up like three, four, five, six, half a dozen a year. 
um, that you hear about them, many that you don't. Um, is there any way of of advising people and mentoring people uh, how to get into this business now that you've done it? You know, I think um, I, it's it's great to see the um, explosion of distillers, distilleries that we have uh, here in BC, and um, particularly under the craft model where, you know, we're supporting BC raw agricultural goods, working with BC farmers um, for for our inputs for alcohol. And um, I think, you know, when you get into this business, I think you really have to, you have to love it. You have to love what you do and, and um, love sharing it with people. And I think, in, you know, speaking for, for ourselves, I think um, part of what's kept us going and our our um, success has been to be really focused on, you know, we have, we don't have a huge lineup, but we really love the lineup that we have. And um, that, I think, makes it um, really easy for us to communicate to people uh, what it is that, that we make and what we're sharing with them and how we hope for them to use it. Would you remind, uh, Jessica, of the 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 major awards that, that Ampersand won uh, just a couple of years ago? Um, yeah, so we had in um, in 2020, our vodka took home the World Vodka Awards, uh, World Best Varietal Vodka, um, and so that uh, made for vodkas that have um, a bit of the expression of the grain. So in our case, it's the soft white winter wheat that we use, um, and the you know it has a really nice creamy mouthfeel, slight sweetness to it. So yeah, that one best in the world uh, back in 2020. Um, we also took home. Uh, Canadian Artisan Spirit of the Year uh, from the Canadian Artisan Distilling Competition, uh, Spirits Competition for our Nichino, that which is a green um, walnut liqueur, bittersweet liqueur. Uh, so that's a seasonal release for us. We take walnuts from from the valley and, uh, and steep those in our vodka, add some local honey and cinnamon, allspice, lemon. And yeah, that was uh, the, the best overall spirit of the year um, for, at the cast. And then our gin took home Canada's Best Classic Gin, uh, from the World Gin Awards, um, I believe that was either twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. That's kind of important. That last one. Yeah, yeah, best classic gin. You know, it's uh, that's that's what we what we aim for. That, that and is... actually, we talk about being the bridge between sort of contemporary and classic. We also took ah. home best contemporary gin at, uh, at the best in class contemporary gin for at the Canadian Arts and Spirits Competition. I, I think that was last year. That's really interesting. You talk about contemporary gin and just staying up with the times because your book, The Five Bottle Bar, has yes. has a retro feel to it uh, from the cover in A Simple Guide to Stylish Cocktails. It looks like it could be 1950 and sitting on a, yeah. <laughs> on, a on a wicker table somewhere. Yeah, well, and certainly that was, um, you know, part of how we approached it and laid it out. And, you know, we start right away with the classic cocktails um, and then uh, all the way up to contemporaries. So it does sort of um, cover a span of time. And um, I think that that's really reflective from the way that that, uh, I think about cocktails and and the way that we sort of do things at Ampersand. We are a big fan of, you know, the classics and and giving it that contemporary twist. And so... um, Looking at you know gin is our flagship spirit and uh, and gin has most cocktails out of any of the classic sort of cocktails. Um, gin is attributed to I, I think it's something like eighteen of the of of them are, are gin cocktails. And so you know there's a lot you can do with gin and uh, and that and that starts right in that classic cocktail period. You know we can't possibly do cover the book in, in the time that we have, but I'm going to clear the decks here. We're going to do a, f- a lightning round. 
uh, right after this. Uh, She is Jessica Schacht. She is the mixologist uh, and co-founder of Ampersand Distilling in the Cowichan Valley. And when we come back, we're going to just run through the book as fast as we can. um, This is recorded, so you can go back and listen to it. I don't know that you can possibly keep notes as fast as she's going to talk. But this is Tasting Room Radio. We'll be right back with part two of this interview. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Hillside Winery on the Naramata Bench. Here's some important information. The Tasting Room and Wine Shop are closed for the season. Wine sales are available Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And speaking of wine sales, on the website, check out the 2016 Mosaic, the 2019 Syrah and Pinot Noir. Oh, and take a look at the Merlots. And my favorite, the 2019 Founders Block Gamay Noir. The Bistro is closed for the season and reopening spring of 2023. All the details can be found at hillsidewinery.ca. This segment of Tasty Room Radio is brought to you by Jason Parks Customs. Let's review what exactly is Jason Parks Customs. It's The Hatch, the original home of all things JPC. The Hatching Post, a saloon-style brewery, smokery, and ice cream parlor. Truck 59 Cider House. Blackswift Vineyards, the home of their single vineyard, single varietal series of sensational Swifties. Crown and Thieves, made by scoundrels, sipped by royalty. Home of the Crown and Thieves Speakeasy, a saloon-style brewery, smokery, and ice cream parlor. All the details can be found at jpcfanclub.com. Jessica Schacht is with us. She hasn't left, and she's... Are you you babysitting? Uh, If you can call it that, yeah. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have one of the children with you? I do, yes. But is it babysitting if it's your own child? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, just tell them you're doing media. Um, co-founder of Ampersand uh, Distilling. Wonderful, wonderful company. Wonderful family. Uh, the Five Bottle Bar, the, this book came to me and I just went, this is fantastic. Well, as soon as I saw it, I said, please send me that book. I want to do that interview. A Simple Guide to Stylish Cocktails. And you break it down beautifully. Uh, I love the way the book is laid out. There's the classics, the collections, contemporaries, zero-proof Bon Voyage, bonus bottle, aperitifs, uh, digestifs. Uh, this is the life. And, and then you, you spill about your life in this business. Um, and you, we've got to start with the five bottles. Let's just start yeah. right there because we would all ask that same question. Everybody who's going to interview you. What are those five bottles that you would recommend? Starting with so the fi- gin. The five bottles are gin, yep. and whiskey, an Amaro, sweet vermouth, and dry vermouth. Gin, whiskey, vermouth, dry and sweet, and Campari, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And with that, you can make the basic, uh, uh, how much do you, I mean, literally, how many cocktails do you want to make? How, uh, how far do you want to make this? You can get other books to add to this, but this is the basic starting point. And for me, people like me, I, I have to learn as I go because I've, I've spent the last 15 years in wine. I want to know more about your business and what you do. Um, but you talk about things like uh, ice and water mm-hmm. and, and uh, bit, uh, bitters and, um, and citrus and, and, and sweeteners. Um, take us through that just in a second. Yeah, so that's the five-part pantry. I think, you know, one thing that people don't uh, maybe underestimate when they're making cocktails is just how much ice you need. Um, it's really important to make a good cocktail to have 
a lot of ice and then, you know, preferably like good ice. So whether that's, um, you know, if you if you want to just have many ice cube trays in the freezer or make yourself some big fancy spheres that are going to um, melt a little more slowly uh, and just look prettier. Um, or, you know, whether you're making some big fancy ice for a, a punch bowl or something like that. So ice is really important. Um, bitters, of course, really classic modifier for a lot of cocktails. Um, and sweetener, you it's, uh, you know, spirit uh, spirit bitters and sugar is the classic cocktail sort of trifecta um and so having a, a sweetener as a as a modifier of some sort um will will take you a long way in terms of whether you're making sort of uh simple syrups um or you know old-fashioned that that kind of thing okay. in the beginning jessica um, did i mean you've got gin and whiskey but but i mean mm-hmm. literally there's hundreds of bottles you could choose from um how difficult was it getting it down to the two or did you know that it was going to be gin and whiskey Oh, I knew it was going to be gin and whiskey. Okay, fine. Because if you think, I guess I really approached it. Um, I, I, I read a column for the uh, Couch and Valley Voice, and it's called History Glass. And so in it, I sort of explore um, classic cocktails and and through and the, the or their origins and stuff. And so in in writing that um, that column, I I really did notice that I kept reaching for the same bottles over and over again. But, yeah. That, you know, it was the same um, sort of ingredient. So knowing that, you know, you've got your classic cocktails, the martini, the gin and tonic, an old fashioned, a Boulevardier, a Negroni, like those those things are, are classic and, and all of the ingredients sort of pair well with one another. You can swap them out really easily. Let me do a, a, a wine comparison. When I went to the uh, celebration of Pinot Noir uh, in, in the Okanagan, I think there were three of them. Um, they started with 20 and then 25, and then 30 or 35 different Pinot Noirs. And and when you taste them, one after the other, even though they're grown in the same region, literally some of them are next-door neighbors, they're all different from one another. Mm. And I went, wow, this is incredible. There's there's no two the same. What about gin and whiskey? They're all completely different, right? They are. And I think, you know, that that's um, it's part of the way where, even though it's a really simple setup, you can really tailor... Um, your your bar just in the choice of the gin or the whiskey that you choose and and so i mean even you know within whiskey what kind of whiskey do you choose in the book i i limit it uh, or i suggest you know rye or bourbon and then it, the sort of guideline is if you have a little bit if you prefer things to be a little bit sweeter um maybe go for a bourbon and if you prefer things to be a little bit spicier go for rye um and and uh, same you know with gin you can you can play around there there are so many different types so if you have a, a favorite gin or um, you can see what how that interacts uh, with the different recipes. Wow. Um, or, you know, you can go for something classic and contemporary. You, I, you uh, know, I, I will say that they are all ampersand gin approved. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk to the rum drinkers out there? You know, <clears throat> rum drinkers, I love you. Um, I don't drink a lot of rum cocktails myself. That's one of my favorite things to um order when I go out to a bar because it's not something that I stock uh, a lot of. Um, but it's not, I, the way um, I've described this as well is that thinking about the five bottle bar as sort of like you're packing for a vacation yeah. and you want to make sure that yep. all of your things go, everything goes with everything else. So you want to know that you are, you're going to be able to have the maximum number of combinations and, um, and that's what this five bottle bar does. And, and, and I, I am trying to think, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what are what's another five bottles? What other? How else could we? How else could we get there with a different set? But rum cocktails tend to have a lot of different ingredients in them. 
I made a lot of notes about uh, tools. I love that. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the uh, glassware, uh, the um, garnishes, mm-hmm. um, techniques, techniques, friends, shaking, stirring, dry shaking, dry shaking, and measuring. Yes. You got to get the measuring right too. So you want to take us through that? Well, yeah, I think you know. Um, when you measure, you're able to be consistent, so you you know what what you're making. You also know how much you're drinking, which I think is really important. And um, it, it's it's able you're able to repeat it. So if you can find a, a recipe or a ratio that you like, um, and then and then by measuring, you know that you're making that same thing uh, over and over again. I, you know, I think about it um, a lot in terms of of like cooking and. There are, there are certain things where everything is just a guideline, and then there are certain times where, where you really do want to make sure you're getting those proportions. You did exactly. make you, you do make the point about uh, things to shake and not to shake. What a, yeah. What is not to shake? Well, the, the general rule um, is that if, if something is has if a cocktail has citrus in it, you're going to want to shake it, and if it doesn't have any citrus, it's most often going to be or it's spirit forward. It's most often going to be stirred. Well done. This is why the your, the, uh, the gin drinkers often get up in arms over the James Bond martini that is yeah. shaken, not stirred. Yeah, yeah. You take <laughs> you take James to task. Uh, Jessica Schacht uh, is the author of the Five Bottle Bar: A Simple Guide to Stylish Cocktails. It's simple, and they're stylish, as is the book, as is the lady. Um, let's talk martini because it's uh, is it the single most popular mixed drink. Oh, probably. I don't. I don't know statistics wise, but let's say, um, let's say let's say it's close. Yeah, I would think so. And and you want a simple martini? So give them that simple martini mix. So for a martini, I um, I really like a two ounce gin martini with a quarter ounce of uh, dry vermouth. And uh, again, of course, that that ratio you can play around with. Um, low as low I've gone as low as an eighth if depending on the vermouth that I'm using and um I even you know there's a, another cocktail uh that you can change the cocktail just by changing the proportions so you know by making it a 50 50 uh equal parts gin and vermouth you get a, a whole different experience and the olives you know I um tend to be more of a lemon twist uh person myself but um if you're doing olives then I like three okay three did you say three? Three. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, fine. Have a little snack while you while you have your martini. Okay. I just realized that we should be doing this interview in the middle of summer. I want to ask you about a, a couple of uh, mixes. See if I can get this right. Seashells, pea shells. Yeah. So um, I I am so grateful to have had some amazing contributions uh, from some BC bartenders. Um, seashells. Pea shells is a contribution from Haley Pasemko uh, from Wolf the, in the Fog, Wolf in the Fog in yeah. Pino. Yeah. and um, that yeah is a really uh, wonderful take on a martini using some more. Uh, it, it, this is from the contemporary section, and so things get you know it's it's sort of a little bit more of a challenge to track down some of the ingredients. So like sea asparagus uh, and pea shells, and and a little bit more time you can infuse the vermouth and the gin with those different uh, ingredients to really take your cocktails to the next level. That uh, sounds like a lot of work there. How about, uh, and one more, uh, from uh, Julie Ferris in Kingfisher, just up the coast. Uh, in Dark yeah. Trees, what is In Dark Trees? So In Dark Trees, um, that uh, uses uh, Nichino as the Amaro, so in place of Campari, and um, is a yeah, really interesting cocktail with spruce tips, 
um, and uh, it it's sort of meant to evoke the the feeling of being in a forest. It's got that sort of depth to it. Let's review, because as I said, you can't possibly do uh, honor to the writing and the book that, uh, that that Jessica has has given us. But it is a keeper, friends. This is something, if if you don't see yourself in this book, you will have somebody directly across from you in the living room who will embrace this book and make it their life um, because it's that kind of writing. It's really well done, by the way. Um, Thank you so much. Um, uh, so it's, it's called The Five Bottle Bar, A Simple Guide to Stylish Cocktails. Um, I was talking about seashells. Tell me about how many different Manhattans uh, do you put in the book? Is it four or five different versions? I think, it's, I think it's three. Three, okay. And how many sours? Oh, so many. Sours, uh, that's one of the things where it's like once you realize that you just, um, once you get the method down, you can swap out your ingredients and make a whole bunch of different cocktails and all from the same way. So I think in, in that collection section, it's really about um, sort of, yeah, demonstrating that you, you can have creativity within the constraints of a limited pantry and, and bar. And Jessica, what does a Negroni have to be? What is it? What, um, how do I know when I'm being schooled on a Negroni? Oh, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, there, are there good Negronis and bad Negronis? Oh, yes. I mean, I would say so. I like I I people people fight me on this. I, the recipe I put forth is a one 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 classic. A lot of people will do two gin. One Campari, one Vermouth. Um, it depends on your your preference. Uh, but and I find you know I, like I would say that not all not all gins make good Negronis. It really sort of depends on your palate. Um, and so to to have it balanced, you want it working with everything else. And and uh, so for me, it's a it's a one one one. I I prefer it on the rocks, and I do stir it with my finger, but not for other people, just for myself. <laughs> I just realized we are going to do a part two of this interview. We are going to, we are going to meet as we head into summer, and we're going to remind people that this book exists. Okay, is that okay with you? Oh, that would be great. I would love that. I wanted to be a million seller, and I'm going to do my part. Um, <laughs> and and where can people find it? They can find it wherever books are sold. Uh, it's available uh, through local bookstores. Uh, you can find it online at Amazon or Indigo. And uh, it's also available through the ampersandistilling.com website. She is Jessica Schatt, and uh, she is a, a part of the, she's co-founder of Ampersand Distilling in the Cowichan Valley. She's a mixologist. And you you have, this book is, in, it is such, listen, I didn't read this during the day. I read this at three o'clock in the morning. It's really weird. <laughs> because it drew me in. It wanted me to read it. The Five Bottle Bar, A Simple Guide to Stylish Cocktail, Jessica Schatt. Thank you so much for uh, being a guest again on uh, Tasting Room Radio in the Mulligan Stew Podcast. I'll see you in the summer. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. This segment of Tasting Room Radio is brought to you by Jason Parks Customs. Let's review what exactly is Jason Parks Customs. It's The Hatch, the original home of all things JPC, The Hatching Post, a saloon-style brewery, smokery, and ice cream parlor, Truck 59 Cider House, Blacksmith Vineyards, the home of their single vineyard, single varietal series of sensational Swifties. Crown and Thieves, made by scoundrels, sipped by royalty. Home of the Crown and Thieves Speakeasy, a saloon-style brewery, smokery, and ice cream parlor. All the details can be found at jpcfanclub.com.